welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 179. Well, hey guys, welcome to the show. Hope that you're having a great uh, February. Things are going well for you. About the time this comes out, it should be almost Valentine's Day, so don't forget that. Valentine's Day, February 14th. Um, <laughs> I'm actually pretty excited for Valentine's Day uh, because we are doing a shoot for Bozen Bibles. Uh, Bozen Bibles is sponsoring a Valentine's Day Beat Cupid shoot-off. Um, so uh, we realized, like, oh, yeah, that's we were going Tuesday nights when we realized Valentine Day, Valentine's Day falls on that. So I was like, do we want to cancel or... And all the guys are like, why don't we just bring our wives and do something? So we created this event where guys can come, bring their wives, or you know, you can come single if you want to, or you bring a date, whatever. And we're gonna have some fancier hors d'oeuvres and eat and have you know, make the bow shop be a little bit you know, lights and fun stuff like that. And then uh, you got to beat Cupid. Cupid's gonna shoot this score, and uh, we thought about dressing somebody up uh, like Cupid, but decided against that. <laughs> it just we're gonna have each round. They got to shoot some hearts or do something like that, and then you got to beat uh, whatever Cupid's score was. And uh, I'll have to come up with that stuff. But it should be a fun event. Just uh, been neat being able to do that. Um, and I've, that event's going really well. Every single week, we have about 12, 13 guys. Uh, this past week was especially uh, cool for me because a lot of the Shedding Light guys came. Uh, Jim uh, came over and Ben stopped in there at the end. And then Trav and Josh came down from Cambridge area and brought their buddy Matthew. And uh, we all shot and uh, played around a poker, archery poker, after having a good discussion. And it's just been a blast. So it's just been neat. Neat thing to see uh, God kind of work through and uh, just been enjoying that. Um, speaking of Josh and Trav, those are my two guests today. So they both have been on the show before. Um, both of them live up around the New Concord, Cambridge area, Ohio. And um, Josh hunts a lot of public land. Uh, Trav has a couple really nice farms that he's able to get on. And uh, what was interesting with this interview and what I knew already was that they both had very different seasons. Uh, Josh had that struggle season where things just don't pan out, and Trav had the gift season where it was a completely unexpected thing whenever he got his buck. And so kind of two neat stories. We kind of go in, go back and forth between the early seasons and then get into the rut and then the late season, and it's just a really cool, I think, really fun interview. Uh, some nuggets in there, things that you can learn. I asked both of them what their takeaways are, some things like that. And just a good recap of their 2022-2023 season. Um, guys, just want to say once again, thank you so much for listening. Before we get into this interview, if you ever want to come on the show, or if you know somebody who would be a good storyteller, uh, send them my way. I'm always looking for guests. We do have, my next three weeks are lined out, so if you're a new listener, make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. Got some good content coming your way, some great guests, um, but... Uh, I'm always looking for guests. If you want to send me an email, sheddinglightod at gmail.com. Would love to have you on. And one other thing I want to say is thank you to those of you who have left a rating or a review. And also, every so often I get an email from somebody. Just uh, an email or a private message saying, hey, thanks for the podcast or appreciate what you do. Or somebody just kind of introduces me, uh, introduces themselves. And uh, so I want to give a quick shout out to uh, a guy in uh, the Netherlands. 
Um, I didn't know I had any listeners in the, the Netherlands, and apparently I do. And this guy uh, wrote wrote a real nice email. I won't go into it. Uh, shared some personal things, but just want to say thanks so much for listening. Wherever you are, um, we have listeners there in Australia, different places, U.S., just grateful for you guys and your support of this podcast. And, uh, yeah, that's it. We're going to jump right in here. Here's my good friends, Travis Shire and Josh Castle. Well, joining me on the line are my two buddies in Shedding Light Outdoors. I got uh, Josh Castle and Mr. Travis Shire. How you guys doing? Good. Doing good. Good, good. What, what you guys into today? Anything exciting? Uh, I finished up a big bathroom remodel this morning and uh just ate lunch so that's pretty that's pretty big deal for me yeah i love lunch yeah enjoying the weather man it's nice out today yeah man it's been sweet i i went out yesterday and shot bows a little bit in the backyard and uh had the kids get up and uh ansley had her crossbow out and we haven't shot it for a couple days so she got up and just absolutely smoked the target with that so that was pretty sweet so pretty fun oh, stuff Sounds yeah. fun. Actually, I went for a little drive past my hunting property this morning and uh, saw three toms strutting with a couple dozen hens. Mm. And uh, did they? There were some gobbles going on, and and I was I was starting to feel it. We're we're here to talk about deer today, though. <laughs> yeah, we'll sa- we'll save that for another another episode. But that's exciting. It's on the horizon, and I can't wait. I uh, today was kind of cool. I'll tell you guys this. I haven't told you yet. Um, so Kate and I we we started seeing a personal training uh, personal trainer like once every two weeks in January. And, and the girl that we see, like she absolutely just kills both of us, but she actually had, um, had heart surgery. So she has this guy filling in. And um, so last week we saw him on Friday, his name's Todd. And we had a real good workout with him. Nice guy. But I told him I was trying to strengthen my back muscle a little bit more so, so, I, so I could shoot my trad bow better. He's like, wait, you shoot bows? I'm like, yeah. He goes, man, I've always wanted to do that. I'm really interested in that. I'm like, well, let's go do it. So today we actually just, I just got back for, uh, we hopped on here, um, just went over and we shot for like an hour over at Hinder Shots. And um, nice. his, his draw length was too short to draw back my compound. I didn't realize like how, like he got to a point and I was like, is it camming over? He's like, no, I'm, I'm holding the whole thing. I'm like, okay, let it down. So I let him shoot the recurve and he absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, I think getting into archery, I think it's way more fun to shoot a recurve. Yeah, well, that's what he wants. Yeah. So he's like, he's hooked. Like he wants to buy one next week. <laughs> so oh, nice. Well, that's pretty cool. They'll hook him up. I was down there and they had a bunch of recurves for sale. Yeah. Hang on yeah. yeah, so that, that was cool. That's a cool, cool. I love getting to do that kind of stuff. So getting people excited and uh, it's neat. So yeah, good, man. Good, good, good stuff. Yeah. Well, I want, I was excited to have you guys on because we're already into February and I'm, I'm missing two stories that have not yet been told yet, uh, kind of regarding your guys' 2022 and 2020, 2023 season. And I uh, thought it'd be cool to have you guys on. Love talking with you anyway and kind of thought it'd be interesting just kind of hear a little bit about how your seasons went and um kind of unpack that a little bit so i already know some of it but uh i'm sure there's stuff i don't know so uh let's start with um trav josh both of you like thinking about how the season began if you can remember clear back to like september is winding down and you're getting ready for october uh what are some things that you're doing strategy wise what are some things you're starting to do and, and kind of bring us through that that early season part Um, okay, sure. Yeah. So, uh, for me, season never really ends because I'm shooting my bow year round. I shoot the recurve and, and honestly, all honestly deer seasons, I just get to test out my skills on live animals. So I've been shooting my bow, um, year round and I, I start going for deer drives in 
like July, seeing if I can spot any any velvet bucks. And this past year, I, I had no velvet bucks. There was nothing on the radar. And um, I've never been a mature buck hunter, old buck hunter. I've just usually been really happy with 100 inchers. But this year, I said, I'm going to shoot a mature buck. You know, like I got to hunt the old old nasties. And uh, so that's that's the way my mentality started going into the season. What and, uh, uh, what made you switch to that, Trav? Like what made you so, go from 100 incher to I'm, I'm looking for maturity? Like, you know, because you and yeah. I had some of those conversations back then. What, what kind of led to that? Well, I mean, I've killed a lot of 100 inchers and there was actually one buck in particular last year that I had patterned in daylight and, and he wore this area out every morning between like 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. during the end of October. And uh, I, I thought I had the cat in the bag. I thought this was a done deal that that I, this buck was going to be four or five years old. And I'm I'm thinking this is the one, you know, I'm going to I'm going to shoot this mature buck. And and I thought, you know, I thought I wanted to do it for the challenge, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it turns out. I, I don't like hunting for the challenge. I like hunting because it's fun. <laughs> I hope because it's fun, not because of the challenge. But anyway, so that was kind of my thought. I thought I had the cat in the bag on this, this 10 point buck. Um, so there, and then, uh, and then before the season started in September. Um, so the, this farm is 150 acres, a lot of crops, a lot of good pasture with clover and then no really daytime bedding. So the neighbors hold the deer during the day and there's this eight acre woodlot that I've always wanted to get permission for and so i wrote him a letter no response i actually went and knocked on their door in september and uh the guy's super nice and and he's like no nobody ever hunts here but and i got permission to retrieve a deer if it were to run onto his property so that's a big deal because this is a totally different end of the farm and, and the farmer owns like the first 10 yards of the woods so there's enough places to put a tree stand and i can catch them coming into the crop fields out of this really dynamic um eight acres so i got that going for me I switched to the other end of the farm to do some hunting mm -hmm. and i'm actually watching cameras and scouting and i have no mature buck sightings um i really virtually didn't hunt um it was the last week of october i still had no mature buck sightings so i know there was an older buck sometimes that used that eight acres that i have permission for so i think it was like october 26th i decided to to go in there i was going to do an evening hunt and uh climbed up in the stand and had a great hunt. I had a, several does under me, five, 10 yards. Um, I saw a, a two-year-old 10-point buck that I had actually been avoiding because he'd been in the area in daylight and I wanted to let him grow. But as soon as I saw that two-year-old 10-point, my heart thumped and I was going to kill him if he came close enough. <laughs> there, was like, <laughs> there was not an ounce of me that was going to let that deer walk, but um, he only got to within about 60 yards that night. And I, and I realized there was a lot of does in there. So I had went in that evening for a buck, but the, the following evening, I went to the same spot again because um, I wanted to shoot a doe. And actually, the funny thing, that, that day, the farmer's wife flagged me down and uh, she's like, she's like, how many deer have you shot this year? I'm like, none. She's like, well, please, please shoot some of my does. I need you to shoot my deer because they're eating my garden, eating my flowers. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's I can do that. Um, so I went back <laughs> in same spot right by the eight acres that night to, to shoot a doe. And I had two small bucks and two fawns come by me and uh, no mature does that night. Um, so then the next night I go to the other end of the farm where I had a ground blind where I was anticipating that big 10 point to show up where I thought I had the cat in the bag. And at that particular spot, I have only had day or only had pictures of him 
like a couple pictures at 1 a.m. and 2 a.m. And then he just wasn't doing what I what I thought he should. So um, this this place is pretty cool. It comes off the neighbor's thick bedding area. And then the farmer has this little uh, patch of woods that actually pinches down to like a point. And then that point drops onto a pond dam that's like 10 yards wide. So there's no mystery where these deer are going to come through. And um, I went into a ground blind there um, that particular evening, uh, I think October 29th, maybe. And I had two big does come in and um, I, that was a great evening. It was really sunny and kind of warm. So I, it was just a pleasant evening to be out. But with about an hour of daylight left, I, I shot really big doe, maybe one of the biggest does I've ever shot, uh, 10 yards and um, really good double lung shot. I got it on video and um, tracked her. She ran maybe a hundred yards with a good blood trail. And um, so, yeah, that, that was my first doe. And um, yeah, that was, that was kind of, that's kind of up till the rut for me right there gotcha. in a nutshell. That's yeah. awesome, man. I mean, you're, I love, I love what I love about your style of hunting is it's, it's cat and mouse. It's figuring things out. It's adjusting and, you know, figuring out where you need to be. And, um, you know, you put yourself in a good position. What I also like too, is like you had, you hopped in a blind in that spot. So that, um, you know, sometimes being willing to tweak what you, you know, I love being up in a tree, but there's some places it's better to be on the ground or whatever, you know, so it's, it's yeah, good to be a, able to be adjustable. There's a lot of blowdowns in there and the trees aren't very mature, some of them. So I, I just thought the ground blind seemed pretty ideal for that spot, but cool. Yeah. Well, Josh, over to you. Tell us about your early season kind of, you know, leading up to it and how those first few weeks went and um, kind of give us a little recap there. Yeah. So I'd actually had planned on uh, hunting in Missouri also on public land. I, I did last year and I was able to shoot a really nice mature buck uh, on the public land. Mm -hmm. But so this, this August, I took a trip down and I, I spent three days there and did some scouting before season ever came in. And, uh, in that three days I had walked 12 miles. Wow. So I, I did four miles basically every day for those three days. And I found a few really nice spots to start out with. And I found, uh, I did find a little bit of, uh, you know, previous hunting stuff. I found a couple of tree stands and I actually came upon somebody's trail camera and I, I filmed this whole, this whole thing. So I've got all this on film, but then I went back. I can't remember exactly what date it was. Uh, October, I want to say October 3rd. I went back and I had, uh, four days there and, and I had already had all my spots figured out. So I just did this mobile method, you know, hang and hunt. And I sat every evening. I, I didn't hunt any mornings because the weather just wasn't cool. We weren't really to the point yet where, you know, the bucks were traveling daylight in the mornings yet. And all the places that I had, you know, decided to hunt weren't really set up for that type of thing. So I, I figured I'd just stick with the evening uh, bed to food pattern. And every sit, I could have killed a doe. I had does in shooting range on every sit, except for my last sit, my very last sit. <laughs> so, but on, on day one, I hunted a rut funnel where I found a massive bed and some uh, water hemp, you know, wild, wild weeds growing. And they grow like 10 foot tall. So I targeted that spot. But 
I, I really think that that buck had moved out before, you know, before I hunted. I'm not sure where he went or why he left. But so anyways, I moved from there because I didn't see any bucks. I have very limited time. And I wanted to hit all the spots I had marked off. So I'll, I managed to be able to do that. And on, on my second evening, I was walking into my tree stand and noticed uh, there was a buck standing there. Literally, I had pre-hung my stand this time because I had to move uh, campsites during the middle of the day. I moved from a from a tent, primitive tent, tent camping area to a cabin. Mm-hmm. And so I pre-hung my set in between that time frame. And when I was getting out there, I noticed the buck had already literally had to walk right past my tree stand. And so I get down on, on one knee with my bow and I'm trying to film all of this and I'm kind of like tangled up in some wild grapevine stuff. And I've got this, I've got some footage of this also, but a super nice nine point. And I couldn't get any closer to him. I was all tangled up. I was in a bad position, but I, I had the deer at about 55 yards and I was able to sneak up to, uh, I think it was like 45 yards or so. And I would have tried it, you know, I would have get, I would have at least tried the shot because the deer was just standing there. He was just standing there picking up acorns. Uh, it was kind of breezy. I had a little bit of cover with, for, for my noise. But he eventually just he worked off out of sight. And so I, I got to my tree stand and not another deer. I, I didn't see a single deer the rest of the evening. So the next the next day I went out, I got my tree stand really early and the wind was perfect coming up just like I needed it to. And the deer had moved early the day before. So I was like, okay, I got to get there really early. And I did. And I'm sitting there. And sure enough, the same time that deer was in there the day before, he was in there just like clockwork, uh, four o'clock hit. And this is like October. This is early October. So still plenty of daylight left. And literally this deer walks up in beds. And I'm not kidding you, like 45 yards away. He literally beds <laughs> down. And I'm watching this deer in his bed for probably two hours. Oh, man. And I'm just sitting there so heartbroken. I'm like, man, this is terrible. But I had a good feeling he was eventually going to get up and work his way right to me, feeding on the acorns. Um, but where he had been bedding at during the middle of the day, he was exposed to direct sunlight. So I think what this deer was doing was – he was moving from the wide open cover when it, when it got really hot the day, when he just couldn't take it any longer. I noticed as soon as the shade started to cast out about 40 yards off the wood line, that's when that deer came around the corner and he bedded up against the bush right where the shade had just started to cast over. So that's, that's a good observation. Yes, yeah. so that's, that's really, really interesting to me. Is the deer knew exactly when to move uh, mm-hmm. to get into a cooler, a cooler position. You ever feel like um, I've noticed this a couple times this season? The you'll be, you'll have wind in your face, like just like you need it to. This happened to me on one hunt. Winds in my face pretty much all night long, and then all of a sudden I look up and I see a deer up on this ridge, and he starts sniffing the air, and I realize in that moment that my wind has shifted, and I just have to wonder if like did he wait to get up until that wind? Did he like? <laughs> You know, that the wind's a little shifty in that area. Anyhow, did he not move until the wind shifted, or was that just bad luck? Like, have you guys ever experienced that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think they feel safer taking steps with the with the shifted wind. 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think they do it intentionally. Yeah. 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 But so anyways, I'm sitting up there in my tree stand and I'm sitting there, you know, I, I talked to God a little out in the woods and I'm saying, I was like, well, if this deer doesn't get up and move within the next like 30 minutes after watching him for two hours, the way that the thermals work and I knew, you know, just, this is just the way they work. I've been hunting for 20, 23 years now, but I had a, a, a hill to my left and he was to my right and it was a valley. I was at the bottom of a draw and I knew that even though I had the wind in my favor, that those evening thermals, as soon as the temperature started to drop, my scent was going to go right to him. And and hindsight's twenty twenty. I should have got down out of my tree stand and walked the ditch um, and try to get to him and take a shot while he was in his bed. But the deer, he ended up catching my wind. He ended up catching my scent. This was my last set of the hunt and of the trip, and the deer busted out. So <laughs> that's how my Missouri public land hunt went this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So close, no cigar, but you put yourself in the ball game, which has got to be, you know, frustrating, but at least satisfying that you were close, you know, on public land. That's a pretty big achievement, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was a oh, great yeah. Josh killed a big hammer of an eight point last year. So he's, he's, uh, he's got the capability for sure that ham- that was in Missouri on the same public land, I think. Yeah. It was in the same general area. It was the next county over, but gotcha. So yeah, Josh, you come back to Ohio. Did you, uh, how quickly, when was your first hunt in Ohio? And just real quick, how did your, your early season in Ohio go? So my first hunt wasn't until late in October because right. I, I have a farm that I hunt and I wanted to leave it untouched. My uncle was coming up from Florida. Okay. So, I, okay. Whatever deer comes in here, he's going to get to kill. All right. And so he, he came up October 27th. And uh, had a, we had a really nice storm front come through, temperature dropped drastically, 20 degrees or so. And uh, I said, Uncle, this is the time we need to get out in the tree stand. And we, we got out there. We had, I don't even know, we probably had 15, 16 deer come out in the bean field this evening. And, and they worked right down the fence line right to us. And Uncle was, was able to shoot a really nice um, old buck. Oh, cool. Uh, I've had history with this deer for probably five years. He didn't score, you know, really big, but he was an old mature buck. Yeah. He has a cool, he's non-typical. His one side's like just three spikes coming out. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really neat looking deer. So, um, but yeah, anyhow, uh, after that, I started uh, hunting after that. And I had a giant buck I was chasing on the same farm. We saw him the evening my uncle killed his. Okay. Cool. Well, let's let's hit the pause button. I'm going to go back over to Shire since he kind of stopped at the end of October, beginning of November. So we'll, we'll hear Shire's November, and then we'll jump back over to you to kind of wrap things up. Does that work? Yep. All right, Trav, back over to you. Uh, you've got your dough down, uh, and let's let's talk about how November is starting to shape for you. Okay, so uh, we fast forward to November 4th, and it's 70 degrees and sunny, and uh, we have a nice south breeze, kind of like nice spring day. And uh, there's a new property that I, that I wanted to hunt. I got permission last um, winter and I scouted it and I knew there were some does bedding there and, and it had some good buck sign. I, I found that last February. And uh, so I'm going to, I wanted to go over there and, uh, and see what that property had to offer. So I just set up on the edge of it so I could see and I had the wind good. And 
I saw two different doe groups stand up like there. So there's at least two doe groups on this property um, that, that I didn't have any shots and I didn't see any bucks, but I, I wanted to check it out and see what was in there a little bit deeper. So the, the next morning, Saturday morning, November 5th, uh, supposed to be a high of like 80 degrees that day. Uh, just, just not ideal rut weather. Um, so I, I, um, I was going to go scout. And then the following week we had a really good cold front coming in and a perfect wind to hunt this, this on a North wind. And, uh, so I was going to go hang a stand for the, for the following week when the cold front hit and I was going to hunt this 16 acres then. So this is 9am on a Saturday and I, I just get to this property, uh, park my truck, get out. I'm like, I better take my bow, you know, because, uh, it's the rut. Anything can happen. And in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> it's not going to, it's not going to happen. It's, but I'll take it anyway, just because I go through the motions. And uh, so I, I start in and I, and I, I get down. This is kind of a cool property. It's kind of three ridges that dump down. Three points come together and there's a pond. And it's really a hub of activity. It's, it's the perfect little property, really. So I'm walking down this, this point of this ridge and I, and I jump a couple does in the bottom. And I'm standing there looking at them, looking around for sign. Next thing I know, here comes a, a big doe just screaming down through there with her tongue hanging out. And she passes me at like 20 yards. I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute. She's not running for me. And then at about that time, I hear a grunt to my right. And I look to my right and a really nice eight point is headed straight at me. He's like 30 yards away, headed straight at me. And he gets to about so so when I saw the doe running, I already had, I knocked the arrow. So as, as I catch a glimpse of him, I already had the arrow knocked. And then he comes in, he stops 15 yards away, um, right in an opening. It's a thick area, but I had an opening quartering away. And, um, I, I shoot and I know he's quartering away. So I kind of aim towards the back of him a little bit. Cause I knew it was going to quarter up into the chest cavity. And first glance, it looked like I hit him in the front of the hip, like, you know, right where the stomach and hip come together. And I'm like, Oh, I just got shot him. Jim and these. And as soon as the arrow hit, there was a huge splatter of blood and I'm like, Oh wow. I must've got that artery. So, uh, he ran about a 50 yard half moon circle and fell over. He was, he was probably dead in about six or seven seconds. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, it turns out that the arrow actually went in right there in the front of the hip and it came out the back of the rib. So I really wasn't that far off of my mark. Uh, maybe, maybe like five or six inches to the right of where I wanted to hit. But, and then, you know, that artery is, um, that's a nice little gift from God when you hit that, um, for yeah. sure. But, uh, so yeah, he, he, and then, so I'm like, wow, he's down. Uh, just, I saw him flip, tip over. So I kind of collect my thoughts and, and settle down. And then I start to walk down towards him and I hear another deer coming and I look to my right and there's a, a little fork horn. And he, he walks within 10, less than 10 feet from me, probably. Um, if I would have just took a couple jumps, I could have touched him. And <laughs> he walked right past me and went on his merry way. So I make my way down to my buck. And I'm standing there looking my buck over. And I hear a deer walking again. And it's that little buck. He's coming back. And he's walking towards me kind of with his ears back. And he gets to within about 10 yards of me. And he's not stopping. He's he's coming in to see what's going on. And I had to scare him away. So I waved my arms and, and yelled at him. And um, he left. And um, and then, yeah, so it was 80, about 80 degrees by that point. And I uh, got my buck 
field dressed and uh, got him to the processor. And it, it turns out he was a, um, I had pictures of him last year as a two-year-old. He's a three-year-old eight point and uh, scored 98 inches. And uh, so I'm, I'm more than happy with that buck. And like the, the joy that that, that brought me, because my goal at the beginning of the year was to kill a deer from the ground. I actually kind of wanted to do that. Um, and the way that all came together, it was, it was very fulfilling. So, yeah, so that, was my, that was my buck. Um, I just remember you calling me and I'm like, it's like, it's hot outside <laughs> and you, I didn't think you were supposed to be hunting that day. It was just like, what in the world is going on up there in, you know, Northern Ohio. <laughs> so Yeah. They were running wild that morning for sure. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. So that was the, yeah, I was, uh, that was exciting. I was adrenaline high for several days there. So if you had to say like takeaway wise, what's your takeaway from that hunt? Like what's, what's, what are the top things that kind of rise, you know, whenever you think about uh, you that? You always got to, well, um, I would say hunt the does. I mean, you got to be in, you find the does, uh, you got to be in that area and spend your time. If it's hot out, there's still going to be, there, there, there's testosterone still up. They're still going to come in heat and they're going to do their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say always be prepared, man. If you go out to scout and it's November, uh, take, take your bow. Um, yeah. that's, a that's, a I I think those are, those are the main things. And, and I mean, time in the woods in the first two weeks of November around doe groups, that's just, I mean, that's where it's at right there. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's solid advice too. Cause I remember I like, I shot my buck on November 3rd, but I, on November 2nd, I went in and I scouted that property and I can tell you like within the first 20 minutes, I was like, shoot, I should have brought my boat. Like I start finding scrape after scrape after scrape. And I'm like, Oh yeah. It's gonna, you know, and I, I was fortunate. Nothing came by that morning or that, that yeah. afternoon that I was in there, but, but yeah, being prepared, I think is huge. And uh, so, yeah, man, that was awesome. I was, I was pumped for you and your video. Well, I haven't released that yet, but your video is really good. I mean, you put piece together yeah. the whole season. So can't wait for that to drop. That'll be awesome. And well, I actually killed it a week later. I killed my, my third day. I killed another doe on the 12th of November. Oh, okay. Um, so, so there was, uh, I guess I can, let me tell that real quick. And then yeah. Josh can get, Josh can get in his Epic story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, on the 12th, there's a, on the same farm that I, I started hunting there in October, there's a meadow uh, that the deer feed in in the evening and of course, once again, there's a nice thick bedding area on this ridge on the neighbors. Um, but there's a specific point off this ridge that they come in enter this meadow. Um, so I'm right on the edge of the edge of the ridge um, on the on the property I can hunt. And I, I had a had a doe come in and I shot her 22 yards. Um, she was quartering away from me, and and I have it on video. But the way she ducked when the when the arrow um, impacted her. Her chest was almost on the ground, um, but her her rump end was up in the air. So the the arrow actually enters the back of her rib cage, and it goes through the lungs, and then it lodges in the spine at the base of the neck where it dips down. So I um, I double lunged her and spined her all in one shot. Um, so that yeah, was, that was wild. You dropped her, right? Wild. Yeah, dropped her, and then I and then I I looking back, I could tell she was she couldn't even hold her head up, so she was pretty much dead within ten seconds. But I ended up shooting her again through the heart. Um, but yeah, so that was a, that was a fun hunt. And, uh, then I was pretty fulfilled with the amount of meat I had after that. Um, yeah. and then, and then I can, if you want me to, I can just touch on one other hunt I had at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, and then, so, so I kind of hung it up for a while because I'd, I'd had enough meat and it was in middle of January and I, and there was a cut cornfield that I, I was watching does come to every evening. 
And I'm like, you know what? That's a little thick area right there with a nice log and a dead down tree. I, I bet I could sit on the ground in my ghillie right there and, and kill a doe. So I go out there and um, everything works perfect. Um, she, she comes out through the thick brush. I go ahead and draw my bow. So I'm already drawing as she steps out and she's less than 20 yards, maybe 18 yards. And on the log I'm sitting on, there's like a four or five inch branch that kind of protrudes out into the field. And you really got to be, it's not obvious. Obviously it wasn't obvious to me, but for some reason um, I, I had everything lined up, aimed good on her and that, that branch was above her. So I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm fine. I'll, well, no, I center punched the branch <laughs> coming out. And, uh, so everything worked good there. Um, and then, so the ghillie is amazing. So I shoot at her, she spooks kind of runs out and I, I'm just sitting on the ground. I'm, uh, they allow me to take an arrow out of my quiver, knock another arrow. And she never looked at me. She's like looking past me, like no clue that I'm there. And I knock another arrow. I guess and she was around like, 28, 30 yards. And that's my point on. So I uh, held the point on her and she must've been between 35 and 40 because the arrow went under underneath of her. Um, but yeah, so that was my uh, ghillie experience. And I, I think I'm going to probably dedicate some more time to that next year. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but yeah, that was, uh, that was my season. So nice, man. It was an exciting season to kind of hear how it unfolded. And, uh, that you with the ghillie suit, that kind of got me going a little bit there at the end too. And I threw her on my ghillie top and almost had it pan out on that last yeah. time that I had. That's, that's pretty you neat. Had, you, had him, you had him real close that night, didn't you? Yeah, they were coming in. Yeah. I just, that you cannot move, man. Uh, I, I thought I had enough cover with a briar bush beside me, but I, if I, I just kicked myself because I'm like, I think if I just would have waited and just froze until I saw the deer, then I could have worried about all the other stuff I had to do in that moment. But yeah, it was, uh, you know, you try and get ready for the shot, but yeah, it's that ground games. That's a different thing. Yeah, for sure. Well, Josh, let's jump back over to you. Um, and you can kind of wrap us up here for the season with, so you're going into early November, uh, save your spot for your uncle. Uncle gets a buck kind of bring us through, um, November, December, all that kind of, uh, the rest of the time is yours, man. So <laughs> tell us, tell us how the rest of your season went. Okay. So I'm actually going to back up a little bit because okay. there's a little bit, little bit that I left out in the beginning. Uh, so last season we, we had a four and a half year old buck. I believe he's four and a half anyways. Um, on camera, I had him on there pretty consistently, um, you know, clear from middle of October all the way up until about Christmas time. And then after that, he was kind of uh, out of the area, but my dad could have actually killed this buck the last day of gun season. But in the backdrop, um, there's like a high wall. And it drops down. There's a house back there. And my dad's not real familiar with this farm, but he, he knew because I told him that there are houses back there. So he just to be cautious of it. <clears throat> but he elected not to shoot the deer. He had him in a scope and everything. And he could have killed him uh, four, uh, four and a half years old. I think he was probably pushing 140 inches. Oh, wow. We knew this was going to be something special. So uh, February hits, I go out and I, I lucked out and I managed to find one of his sheds. Just a super cool buck. Uh, I couldn't find the other side. But anyways, fast forward into this year, I started running cameras in the middle of July. And I picked up pictures of this buck this year, and this thing turned into an absolute giant. Um, drop time. Drop time. Yeah, yep, drop time. Probably oh, seven yeah. inches. Yep. Uh, deer's uh, got a total scoreable 20 points. Nice. And, just a freak of nature. 
uh, five and a half year old deer, absolute giant. I mean, I couldn't imagine what he had turned into at six or seven years old. Uh, definitely would have surpassed the 200 mark, I'm sure. Uh, anyways, the deer goes missing for probably 10 days. And one of my other buddies was like, hey, aren't you, are you concerned about this? I've been hearing a lot about EHD. He works for uh, a soil and water department. So he gets a lot of like news about this. I was like, well, I mean, yeah, I'm a little bit concerned because he's been on my camera and I, you know, kind of frequently, but I was just assuming he's making his rounds, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you know how they, uh, you know, there's a property neighboring to the property that I hunt and it's actually open to public hiking. And so him and his wife took a hike and he called me, had said, Hey, we smelled something dead down here. Do you think it could be tiny? And I said, I sure hope not, but I guess it's always possible. And so him and I agreed to meet up the next day, uh, the next evening. And we went out to go start looking for this deer that he smelled dead. And sure enough, we walked up on him and it was tiny. <clears throat> so mm. giant, huge deer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the credit goes to Matthew. He found it. And, but the friend that he is, he, you know, we worked some stuff out. And he said, you know what? I'm just going to give you the deer. I don't feel bad about keeping it. I know he was hunting the deer and stuff. So I have the, the head here at the house. It's a, a 20 points and we scored even 179 inches. Oh, wow. And we're actually going to have him scored officially by uh, Buckmasters here in the next week. So it's kind of weird. You don't even know. We looked at him. We're like, how do you even score that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys, yeah, I, cool. you sent me pictures. I'm like, that buck is just gnarly. I mean, he's just wild. Yeah. Yep. Super crazy buck. So anyways, that's the farm I lease. And I was pretty discouraged after that. Wasn't getting yeah. a whole bunch of bucks. But October hits, and I start getting pictures of this just a monster buck, the buck that me and my uncle saw the evening he killed his. And October 15th, I think, it, October 15th, I have five and a half acres over here at my place. And I just said there was a behemoth back behind my house. Just I was shocked when I seen the pictures of this on my trail camera. I remember screaming, like, shouting in my house, like, what in the world? <laughs> like, this deer is just so wide. Yeah. Like it's just incredibly wild. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm going to call this deer Bullwinkle. Yeah. Um, 25 inches wide to be exact. But... Yeah, 25 <laughs> to be exact. Yeah. So, anyways, Got the number. Uh, yeah. The, the next day after my uncle killed his, I went up to hunt where that big one came out the evening before. And uh, sure enough, that buck, that giant buck came back out. He walked right under my tree stand. But it was about 15 minutes after shooting light. <laughs> oh, man. I was uh, I was pinned in my tree because I had a group of does come out in the field and the beans that they were eating. And I was like, I have to wait until they clear this field. So I ended up sitting in my tree stand for probably an hour and a half, especially because I knew that giant buck that I was hunting came out and walked underneath me. And I just know, you know them deer are so finicky. Like, they don't tolerate, you know, this human intrusion stuff. They just don't. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to give this deer some time. And I sat there for probably an hour and a half. And I got down on my tree. And as soon as I crossed the bean field, that deer, I'm telling you, he didn't probably move more than 50 yards after I had seen him. Mm. That deer took off blowing. Uh, and I, I stopped, yeah, I stopped getting pictures of that deer all the way up until, uh, man, when, when did I start getting pictures of that deer again? It was, it was after gun season. Wasn't it? Yeah, it was well after gun season. It was like January. Late December, yeah. 
Yeah, so pretty much I was done with that. But over here at my house, I started not um, October 29th or 30th hit. And, and this is news to you, Travis uh, Williams. Yeah. <laughs> but Josh just uh, told me this morning, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just told Shire this morning. But it's not something I'm proud of. Uh, I go down and hunt behind my house after this behemoth I call Bullwinkle. And, and sure enough, he comes in. 7:40, he comes in just just like he should, perfectly, yeah, perfect shot. And um, I'm hunting from this little TP blind with my compound, and I can have every excuse in the world as what what happened, but I ended up bouncing the arrow off this deer's back. Mm. Um, and I just I kept on blaming the blind because when I took the shot, it was so difficult to get drawn back because it was so small, and both the top and the bottom limbs hit the blind, <laughs> but. I should have set myself up better for it. Yeah. I had already, I had already spent so much money on deer hunting this year. I didn't want to spend a lot on a blind. You know, mm, yeah. And then, so I was like really bummed out. I hardly told anyone. Like I only told a couple people just so just torn about it. Yeah. Know, what hunting season can do to you. Oh, it's, it's devastating when you have it be almost what you feel is like a slam dunk, but then, something can go wrong, you know, and you feel like it's a done deal and then you nick something, bump something. And it's, and I, I relate with you too. Cause I'm always like trying to save money someplace. Shire knows I'm always trying to get out of there something for free through a contest or, <laughs> you know, trying to figure out a way to, to, to justify it and figure out things. And I mean, we've yeah. all, we've all done that. Like, yeah, I could probably get by with this blind. It'll be all right. And then, and it doesn't pay <laughs> off. It doesn't pay off. Sometimes. Yeah. Well, I, uh, it just, I decided, you know what, I, I'm a big public land hunter. I'm not public land a lot. But I, after I had that experience in this year, and he, he, I got pictures of him again shortly after. It took like two or three weeks from the return. But this year would show up in daylight on my camera. I'm thinking, man, it's just a matter of time. I got to play my cards right. And I'll have another opportunity on this deer. So I, I kept the, the groundscapes fresh, you know, and every time he, he'd come in, he would interact with them groundscapes and stuff like that. And, uh, just kept kept the pressure off the does back here and just watch my camera. I was using my SD card camera. So I actually had to go down there and look at my camera um, every so often, but I had a goal on public land to kill a doe or just a deer in general with my recurve. And I, I came super close and then I never got to take a shot, but I had a doe come in 20 yards and I'm sitting here filming. And literally this is the first year that I have ever lost a, a chance to shoot because of self filming. Mm. I've been doing it for four seasons now, and this is the first year that that's happened with. But so I kind of I withdrew from you know, the public land scene, and I was having deer depression, <laughs> <laughs> and I put all put all my eggs in just this one basket. And I thought I'm just gonna keep on watching cameras. This is at my house, you know. I just walk out five and a half acres is all I've got, <laughs> so I uh, keep hunting this deer and. I think it must have been like November 23rd. It was just right before Thanksgiving hit. And I was hunting him. He was, I had this deer pattern pretty well. And so I hunted this morning and I was expecting to kill this deer because I just had him so patterned and he was just so patternable. And the wind was wrong. I got, I was overconfident with the wind because I kept getting away with it with the does and the smaller, younger bucks. But this uh, this time, this buck came in just downwind of me, 
and he busted me, took off. I thought, okay, well, that's that's that story right there. That's going to be the, the end of probably my season. <laughs> And he disappeared for four weeks. And he was gone, gone. And then he came back, but he, he only came back in December, right after gun season. I think it was December 8th or 9th. I got another picture of him. And I was like, oh, thank you, God. He survived. Okay, he's still still alive. At least he's still alive if I don't get another chance on this tier. And eventually he, he disappears again. I was like, oh, man, you kind of be kidding. He's gone again. Uh, extended gun season comes and goes. No pictures. Um, December 31st hits, January 1st, January 2nd, and all of a sudden, bam, there he is right in the daylight. First picture I got of him, morning. And I was like, oh, boy, okay, I'm going to have to make something happen with this deer. Well, I, I had noticed he had been bumped around a couple of doe fawns on camera. I was like, okay, great. Oh, um, might be able to capitalize on one of these doe fawns and then bring them in. And I had been feeding the does all season since October. I, it's really the only way I can get the deer to come to my property the way it's set up. Yeah. Is, is by feeding them. And so I chose to hunt one morning and my father-in-law texted me one night before I was going to go hunt. He said, hey, do you think you can take over my uh, my ushering at church tomorrow morning and i was like uh yeah I'll, i guess yeah i'll do that <laughs> you know, god's house comes first for me in my, my my whole family we're all like that so god's house first everything second everything else second <laughs> especially when it comes to deer hunting and just fun stuff yeah and would you know would you know it that deer showed up right in front of my ground blind <laughs> right right as right in the daylight in the morning when I was, when I could have been there. <laughs> and I just, I remember feeling so frustrated. I was like, God, I, I put your house first and I missed another opportunity on this buck. Here we are. It's the middle of, almost the middle of January. <laughs> and like, I don't know. I just kind of burned out with this year. And, and I, I kind of felt some peace though. You know, we, we pray all the time. God bless us with this. God bless us with that. But like I actually felt something like in my spirit. I don't know how to explain it, but I just I felt like God heard me. If that even makes sense. Yeah. And and one day later, I go out there to hunt in the morning and the deer doesn't show. I was like, oh man, this deer only comes in in the mornings. He he's like never in a daylight in the evening. I got one picture all year of him in the evening. I actually came in up to my house and I took a nap. <clears throat> that afternoon and I, I woke up like really late just down in the dumps and uh something in me said just you need to get out there it was like 4 30 like we're pushing you know we're pushing the button here i said okay well i'm gonna get up get my stuff together and i got down there for probably 4 30 or so and i'm sitting there just sitting there just sitting there <laughs> and i have in my mind made uh, my mind made up i have to shoot a deer we need to meet we, we eat a lot of deer meat. So I was going to shoot a doe this this evening. And all of a sudden, I start hearing something. I'm like, oh, man, there's a deer coming. I can hear a deer coming. And the next thing I know, I just see this big behemoth buck coming up the trail. And I was like, it's Bullwinkle. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, there's, 
there's no other way to explain this feeling that it's just an amazing, incredible feeling when you come in contact with one of these creatures. Yeah. Um, and this deer came out, gave me a perfect shot. And I remember pulling pull up, I, I was using my stepmom's crossbow. I uh, switched from the compound. I learned my lesson from that little tiny ground blind. Yeah. <laughs> and took the shot and uh, hit him right through the heart. Double heart shot. Yep, double heart shot. And man, I'm a I'm a manly man. Like, but I'm not gonna lie, I shed some tears on that deer. <laughs> I <laughs> bet. Yeah. I called my dad. My dad was the first person I called and I, I cried on the phone with my dad. Yeah. Just because of the like the relief and <laughs> uh, it's a tough season, man. I mean to lose one of your like target bucks to EHD or whatever and a giant like that and then I mean you had a struggle this season like last few years like you shot your Missouri deer last year on public land and then year before that you shot a monster during the rut this year was uh Shire and I kept on talking like man you know Josh is usually tagged out by this point he's always got like some booner on the wall this has been a rough season and then for it to come together there at the end that's just that's got to be an awesome feeling yeah, it was. It was amazing. And, and like I said, I have five and a half acres and I killed, I shot that deer on my property and the first buck I ever cut on my own property. And not only did I shoot him on my property, he also died on my property. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome, dude. What Josh lacks in ground blind size, he makes up for in persistence. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. I'm not giving up. <laughs> that's awesome. That's a good one. So, one of the things I loved about this story is I, I heard it before, Josh. Tell us a little bit about, um, uh, well, I love it for your end, not maybe for his, but your neighbor. Uh, your, tell us about the neighbor uh, and his experience with this deer. Oh, so he, he, he actually came over. It was muzzleloader season when I shot the deer, January 10th, last day of muzzleloader season here in Ohio. And uh, we waited probably 30 minutes, 45 minutes to even go down in the woods. And so the neighbor that had been hunting came flying down the road on the side by side was checking things out because he had seen a deer that same evening mm. uh, making its way towards, you know, towards where I was. And he heard somebody else shot, uh, shoot off in the distance and somehow he thought it was me. I was using a crossbow. So I was like, um, I don't know who you heard, but uh, I didn't shoot a gun. So anyways, we get down there and if we look up, me and Travis Shire's down there and my father-in-law and one of my other buddies were all sitting down there hooting and hollering. Yeah, I finally got this deer on the ground. Next thing we know, he was head, uh, headlamp coming through the woods and this guy's, I would say he's jogging. Yeah. <laughs> fastball, fastball. Yeah. We're all sitting there like, who, who is this? Josh, you know who this guy is? I said, no. So I said, who is that? <laughs> and so he stopped and he said, this is my name and he goes, did you kill that big 10 point or 12 point? And uh, I said, well, I killed a big deer. So I don't know if it's 10 or 12 that you're talking about. But and now he came on over and was like, man, it stinks to see it like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'd, but, been, he'd been hunting it for four years. Yeah. Yeah. He'd, he'd been hunting it for four years is what he said. So uh, he got to see it in person, take some pictures of it. Yeah. And he, he congratulated me. You know, he wasn't all salty about it. Yeah. But. So I might invite him over to come look at it when I get it on the wall. We'll see. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, so that tells you, I mean, if he's shooting, if he's going after this deer for four years, I mean, what do you guess this deer's age to be? 
when I first seen this deer, I thought, man, this has to be at least a seven and a half field deer. Yeah. You can kind of tell he's going downhill with his ties. And, uh, just, you can just tell by looking at the deer, he's old. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have him age, actually. I'm going to have him lab tested. Oh, cool. Okay. They awesome. saw, saw what that other guy said. He could be eight or nine, possibly. Yeah, he, yeah it's possible he could be even older I, than seven. I wow. remember, what I remember about it is walking up on him, the antlers look look fake. Like, it looked like somebody in a plastic mold company got bored and they made the funkiest looking, weirdest looking <laughs> antlers you could ever think of and poured, poured them and stuck them on this buck. It was, uh, it was a very unique creation by God, that's for sure. Yeah. 20, yes, 25 inches wide. Did you, did you get him scored or know what he scored? Uh, we're, I'm going to have him scored when I have that tiny buck scored. So we're going to have it scored and we'll know by Thursday, Thursday afternoon. Oh, cool. Okay, neat. Neat. Yeah, man. I mean, he's a super wide, just awesome, gnarly buck. And But I know, so you, you get your buck down, but the story continues a little bit. Tell us about how you wrapped up the season. Uh, well, I, I picked up my recurve. I went out and figured, you know what? Uh, I got the midget off my back. <laughs> <laughs> that was a monkey. Monkey, a monkey. That's what I meant. Monkey, a monkey. <laughs> I got the monkey off my back. Uh, so I went out and tried to kill it, though, but I, I couldn't make it happen, man. Them deer are just so smart. There's no cover on the ground. And, yeah. And they just, they're just so stinking smart. It's hard to get them that close that time of year. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Is that what you're referring to? Well, I thought you – didn't you get one more doe? Oh, yeah. I did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that's, that's what I was referring to. Sorry. <laughs> Oh yeah, should have been more specific. Yeah, I went out with my one of my one of my other buddies, and he told me he's got a pile of does and needs some of them killed. So I came over, went over there, I I took my stepmom's crossbow and I shot another deer with it. Filled but, the freezer. Yep, filled the freezer. Nice man. Well, I just uh, I'm pumped for you, dude. I'm just those are some rough seasons, but. You know, it, what's neat about hearing both of your stories kind of combined is like you, you never know when it's going to happen. Like, you know, and it doesn't always happen for us. Um, this is the first year that every guy in Shedding Light Outdoors was able to get a buck, which that's usually I'm the guy holding that whole situation up. But uh, <laughs> it's but it's just like we were just really blessed in different ways. Um, each each of our hunts was different, like Shire just going into scout and then here. The Lord just blesses you. A deer comes running by. Uh, Josh, you know, you put in your time and effort and and it panned out. So I just want to ask you guys, just kind of wrap this one up. Um, you know, maybe Trav will jump back to you. What, what's your takeaways? You know, what do you feel like God was maybe teaching you this season? What are some takeaways that you have? Maybe not from a, a, a tactic standpoint, but from like a spiritual side of things or um, you got anything up your yeah. sleeve for that? Yeah, I think one thing that sticks out to me. So I I went into the season thinking I was, I was, I was a mature buck hunter thinking, you know, that's, you know, that's what you see all over TV and social media and shoot the big bucks. And, and that's what it's all about. And, uh, it turns out like, I just like hunting deer. I just like the moment of truth. It doesn't matter. Maybe not a spike, but I don't, I'm not a mature buck hunter. I hunt for fun. I hunt for, for, um, for just the thrill, thrill of the hunt. And, um, uh, I guess what I'm saying is you don't have to be a mature buck hunter to enjoy hunting or to be a good hunter. Um, so it kind of makes me think of, you know, as Christians, sometimes we think if we're not on the stage preaching or if we're, if we're not standing on the, the, the street corner, 
uh, with a sign or we're not doing some epic big thing that's popular for God that it's not important or it's not needed. But a lot of times I think there's little things that probably that everybody can do. And it's probably just as important um, as the big things. Um, so you might not be the, the guy standing at the pulpit, but you're still having fun and you're still vital to God's kingdom. So you, I guess that kind of means like, you know, like just because you're not killing mature bucks doesn't mean you're not a good hunter. doesn't mean that you're not having fun. Um, I don't know. I guess that's kind of what I thought. Of. I, I guess I kind of found out who I was as a hunter more, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really good. Well, I want to go over to our mature buck killer. Josh, what's your reaction to that? What do you think? Um, well, yeah, I think uh, we all have our own individual goals and, and things like that. But um, I think, on a spiritual standpoint from, from my season and my perspective of how my uh, whole season went is, is prayer really. Mm-hmm. So we can, we can be caught up in praying for things that we want. And like, <clears throat> sometimes God answers right away. You know, I've had God answer right away, you know? And then other times it's like, okay, well, where are you? You know, you, you've, proven yourself to me in the past but now all of a sudden you're not here mm-hmm. but i think i think it's, it's it kind of becomes like the more you mature you know in your relationship with god <clears throat> the more he doesn't with not that he withdraws from you but the more that he requires you know from you and the more he expects of you you know it's like it's like a son yeah and a father, from, from like a father and a son standpoint, the father is going to expect more from the son as he matures in age. Um, you know, take out the trash or what, whatever, you know, you, you can rotate your own car tires, you can change your oil now. So I think sometimes we can just pray and miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, no, that's good. So, yeah, that's, that's good thoughts. I appreciate that. I think what I hear both of you kind of touching on um, is like this personal one-on-one, like focusing on who you are and who you are with the Lord. Like Trav, what you mentioned is so true. I, I think part of what drives the mature buck or the big buck or whatever kind of buck is comparing ourselves to others. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's, unfortunately that's human nature and it can get us into unhappiness and trouble sometimes. Yeah. We, we start thinking about like, all, all these guys online, you know, we, we're a social media group, right? So we post on uh, Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and all that. And we have to, you know, what we shoot and how we shoot it and those kind of things. There's always feedback. And so that, that messes with, for me anyway, I, I start thinking a little bit about those kind of things. And they can mess with your own personal goals a little bit. But like you discovered going out and just having fun, like what makes you excited? What makes you tick while you're out there? That's what that's really what it needs to be about. And it, it shouldn't be about what other people think. And I think with our faith, it, like you said, man, it's so much comparison game. Like I wish I was that guy or I was a great, great speaker. Or we all kind of want different things, but you know, we each have different talents and gifts and abilities. And um, you know, I think part of our job is discovering what is my gift? What is my talent? And, and what God, can God use me for rather than trying to play everybody else's game? If that makes sense. Oh yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. So that's yes, good. And Josh, it's a good way to, yeah, go ahead. It's a good way for, for you to resent something that you actually love. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. I could feel myself getting bitter towards hunting because I was holding out for 
a mature buck. And as soon as I let loose and started hunting deer and having fun with it again, it was like a liberating thing for me. But not everybody's not wired that way. I think, I think, I mean, obviously Josh isn't the same and that's okay. I mean, I think being unique is good. I mean, that's the way God made us as unique individuals. So, I mean, I guess, I guess just find your own thing and, and don't try to be somebody else. I think. Well, and I, I think about this conversation. I mean, the, kind of the, it was for me. What's, yeah, what's so, that? Sorry, Josh, go ahead. Oh, no, you're good. I was, I was just saying it kind of was for me even still, but I, I didn't change what I was hunting. I changed what I was hunting with because I've always been a compound guy mm-hmm. and I've killed deer with recurves, but like it, you, you wouldn't realize how much it took for me to actually want to pursue this deer with a crossbow. Mm. Yeah. 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 I think <laughs> I look at like the three different guys we have on this podcast. Um, and what's interesting is we're all in the same group and we all are, we all like support each other. Trav, you discovered this season, Hey, I'm going to shoot what makes me happy and not go after the mature buck. Josh, you're like, I'm going to keep with my goal of going after a big one. You know, you've probably passed bigger deer than what I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you, you've Josh, got Josh, Josh stretches me out when he sends me the bucks he passes. I, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think I'm kind of in this middle ground where I don't, you know, I'm trying to just shoot something a little bit bigger than that last one. I'd love to shoot like so far, you know, the Pope and young buck has, uh, you know, with my bow hasn't happened yet. You know, this year I got closer and shot a one, one fifteen or one sixteen, And, you know, and so it was, but I think what's neat is we each kind of are growing in our maturity as hunters. We're learning how to hunt our hunt. And, you know, and if, if that means that we don't get it on film or that means we get it on film and somebody hates on us or whatever, I mean, that's, I, I think we're at the point where we're like, whatever, you know, we, if somebody's super hateful, we delete their comment <laughs> anyway. So, you know, but if it's, if it's something constructive, we'll, we'll write back, but it's not about that. It's really, it's kind of that one-on-one, this is our goal. And the same thing with our spiritual life. It's, I can't worry about what everybody else is doing. I can't worry about man, that guy, his spiritual life seems so much further than mine. He must get up at 5 a.m. and read for three hours. Like, I just like, I got to look at myself and say, where am I at? What are my goals, you know, and, and where am I at with the Lord and uh, my prayer life, my reading, you know, all those things. And it, it just kind of, I think that's how personal growth happens. If we compare ourselves to other people, we'll either think, oh, I'm miles beyond that guy, or we'll think, oh, I'll never attain to that. And uh, reality is, it's not about that. It's about your personal walk and where you are on your journey. I think. Yeah, I think that's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, guys, I um, man, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the recap of your seasons here and all those things. I really appreciate you carving out some time today to talk. And uh, loved uh, this past uh, week. You both came down to bows and Bibles, and that was a hoot shooting cards. And uh, who who actually? I know I I didn't win. I I couldn't hit a card to save my life. Uh, Josh actually won one of the times, right? Oh, yeah, Josh yeah, won a couple. Josh won a couple. He was shooting his recurve really good. Yeah, yeah. I was impressed, Josh. He shot really well with that that night. And Matt, I think that. Matthew Matthew won one, and then um, the the girl that was with us won one. Yeah, I uh, I always seem to get some cards, but they didn't really mean much. They were just <laughs> random, <laughs> random low, random yeah. low cards. So, we were playing yeah. archery poker and trying to shoot, you know, cards, and some of them were flipped over, some of them were. So that, but it was it was a blast to have you guys there and a lot of fun. So. Yeah, it was fun. Josh, I had I did have a king, and then I shot a queen, and then Uncle Josh canceled out my queen. 
So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a strategy. That was a strategy. Yeah. 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 So, well, love you guys. Appreciate you yeah. coming on, giving me some time, and just being able to share your stories. And uh, we're going to do a follow-up um, here pretty soon uh, with uh, turkey hunting. So we're going to go do uh, – you and I, all three of us love to turkey hunt. So we're going to do kind of a turkey hunting episode coming up here. I don't know when that will drop necessarily, but – all about what we've learned and experienced and maybe some tips that'll help you if you're not a turkey hunter or if you are, maybe you can learn some other things. And so that'd be my best way. I'll tell you this. Here's a little tip. My best way I've ever found to get a turkey is to go to the frozen section at Walmart. Yeah. And, and it never lets you down. It's a hundred percent. Well, they frown upon you bringing your bow in there and shooting though. Um, (laughs) Oh, right. Oh yeah. Yeah. The four ten, the four ten's completely out. Um, That's where the challenge comes in then, isn't it? Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I've, I've found with that TSS, you can stand at the front of the store and hit that turkey section in the back. So it's, it's yeah, uh, <laughs> it'll go clear through it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, appreciate you guys, and I'll chat with you guys later on. All right. Okay. Bye. Right. Man, I love talking to my buddies. It's always fun to have them on, and uh, gonna have them back on here. In uh, we actually just recorded it right after this episode, but we're gonna save it here for a couple weeks. But. Uh, Trav and I, we uh, and Josh, we do an entire episode on turkey hunting tactics, how to get into turkey hunting, everything that we've learned. Uh, it's an episode chock full, so make sure you hit that subscribe button. Come back here in a couple weeks, and we'll uh, we'll drop that episode. And it should be um, if you've never turkey hunted, man, I hope it helps you. I think it will, and uh, looking forward to that. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode. Hope that you come back for another one. And until next time, remember to shed the light. <laughs>